Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is one of my personal heroes in magic. John Bannon is my guest. We discuss his new book, Off the Record, on the QT, and very hush-hush. It's a brand new book of card magic that I got early access to, and it's full of some dynamite stuff. Nick Lacapos does by the show to discuss the feature part of the week from Mark Elsden. Before all of that, we kick things off with one of our quickfire segments, where your favorite magicians discuss their favorite tricks. This week, the creator of Wando Blocks, Ian Bailey, joins me for the top five under five. Ian Bailey, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the top five under five. Give me your top five tricks in under five minutes, and these can be in no particular order. But for the sake of order, let's start out with number five. Number five. Um, okay, so number five is actually going to be Rope Nut Knot by Giovanni Levera. I am not you know familiar this with this trick. Tell me what happens. Okay, so basically you have a rope, you have a nut, and you tie a knot, hence the name. <laughs> and, so, uh, and I think it was Jeff Kaler's um, company that brought this out. Oh, so okay. maybe about five years old, maybe probably even longer than that. Time flies. But it's a great thing. It's basically a ring on rope routine using oh. a massive nut. Oh, that's awesome. A big hex nut. Yeah. And um, and in my show, I, I it, my show is called Tricks of the Trade. Mm-hmm. I kind of incorporate my electrical work into my show. And this is a great routine. So basically you you put the ro- the nut on the rope, mm-hmm. tie a knot, you involve two participants on stage and the nut comes off, goes back on, and then I have it appear finally on someone's shoulder at the very end. Love it. Um, but what I love about it is the fact that I can actually do this with a shoelace or kind of a hoodie cord if oh. I want to, if I want to do this close up, mm-hmm. or I can do it with a massive nut, uh, massive rope, um, you know, for stage as well. So oh. I've kind of made it play to both to both venues. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, it really suits my character as a as a tradesman. Love it. Love it. Love an adaptable trick. Let's move on to number four. So number four is actually a follow-up to rope nut nut. <laughs> <laughs> Which um so after I've made the nut come off the rope, I then apparently explain how it's done. Mm-hmm. And this is what then leads me into number four, which is actually fiber optics by Richard Sanders. Oh, fantastic rope routine. I mean, just like a yeah. mo- modern classic of like visual, you know, ends changing, getting longer, you know, endless knot. I mean, like it's a really like a modern rope trick that's really, really wonderful. That's it. And for years, I when I saw a rope trick, for some reason, I was put off. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it. But actually, it's so much fun to play with, and so visual. And it's yeah. always difficult if you're doing something on stage. A lot of people just choose mentalism because mm-hmm. you know it's difficult to really have something play so big to a big group. Uh, so yeah, so so fiber optics is a great way of me apparently explaining how the nut comes off. You know, I cut the rope. Mm-hmm. take the nut off, heal it, and you don't even realize I'm doing it. Uh, and so I like these kind of fake explanations. Uh, and, and also it feels like just one long routine rather than me kind of doing two separate routines. It's a nice- Once again, yeah. uh, sorry, I, no. once again, I actually do this with mm-hmm. a hoodie cord close oh. up. So if I'm doing ring on string, yeah, uh, you know, doing Greg Wilson's ring on string, then um, I will follow up that routine and a lot of the moves that you can do with fiber optics you can do with a small hoodie cord oh believe it or not so it's quite yeah so it's a really nice way of i i like the fact that i can do both these routines on stage hundreds or close up and just as an add-on to a ring and rope routine you you heard it here first if you get fiber optics try it out with shoelaces let's move on to number three number three is a uh, shameless plug Go for uh, it's it. It's my own. <laughs> it's my first ever Penguin release with you years ago, which is Roasted. 
Oh, wait a minute. I, so I'm not familiar with roasted. Uh, please tell us what roasted is. Yeah, so roasted. Um, in fact, one day I was doing the dusting during COVID. I was in my house and uh, and I was watching a penguin uh, video that you and Nick were doing during during lockdown, where yeah. you're doing reviews of different tricks. And roasted was mentioned. My ears pricked up, and I heard you guys talking about it. And basically, you'll probably remember now. It's essentially Karan's medallion with a <gasps> coffee cup. I do remember this? It's such a good idea. It's so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so much fun because I just thought to myself, where the people write people's names mm -hmm. on an everyday basis and it's always at starbucks on a coffee cup and so essentially the trick is you ask someone to think of a drink mm -hmm. and then uh you say okay if you could drink this drink with any celebrity who would you drink it with and they say i don't know uh bill gates yeah right and you apparently write on the napkin the drink that they're thinking of right you place it down on the table and you say if your drink was written on this napkin would you be impressed mm -hmm. and they say yes and you turn it over and it says your drink mm -hmm. right it gets a little laugh but within that within that routining it then means that actually you've, you're able to know the celebrity that they're thinking of and you say actually this coffee cup it looks like my coffee cup mm -hmm. but it's not mine it actually belongs to bill gates he was in here five minutes ago and he left it on the table and so you pick up your coffee cup that you've been drinking from yep. throughout the trick and on the bottom of the coffee cup is the word Bill Gates. I remember talking about this with Nick because it reminded me of an advertising campaign from Molson Beers and it just gives you this nice opportunity to sort of like raise the glass which also gives you a nice applause point yes. and they can see it. It's a very visual. Roasted is a fantastic trick. I just, I, it left my brain for a moment but that's fantastic. Let's, mm. keep, let's keep this train rolling. Let's move on to number two. Uh, so number two is also another one. I've heard Shame. other creators do this but I have, to, Shameless I have plug. to be honest with you. I have to be honest, Eric. It's Cafe Hero. By myself cafe this hero came out yeah it came out with a 1914 okay um and base and it's through murphy's as well so so a lot of stores have them and may have seen it but it's, it's it uses a, a coffee loyalty cards you mm -hmm. know the loyalty cards in independent shops that they yes. stamp you know you get five or six uh drinks and you, you know stamps and you get a free drink it uses that, but what it is is this two-card transposition where you give them the stamped card and you've mm -hmm. got a stack of blank cards and as they're apparently going to throw it in the bin, like a barista does in a coffee shop, mm -hmm. you apparently are able to steal it from them without them realizing. So what you do is you take a blank card from the stack, wave it, and suddenly that blank card now has all of the stamps on, which means you can reuse that card again. <laughs> and the one in their hand that they were about to throw in the bin is now blank, right? So it starts off with this two-card transposition. But then you then take the stamped card, place it on top of the blank cards, the unstamped cards, and with just a flick of your finger, every single card in that stack is now fully stamped, which means that you can give everyone in the uh, in the coffee shop a free cup of coffee. It's a great trick. Uh, it's it uses organic props that everyone is familiar with, and it's got a really really pleasing ending. But that brings us to number one. Let's hear it. Number one, uh, once again, is my own. It's Wando Blocks. I love Wando Blocks, and not just because I worked on the routine uh, <laughs> with you. It is it is such a fun sort of um, interlocking toy brick building system uh, effect. That's right. <laughs> Very well put. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. People are a big fan of the interlocking bricks and make things out of them at home. Yes. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's a great, great item, which, um, you know, I was just putting these bricks together and I just thought, if I just add two white tips to this stack of black bricks, yeah. we've got ourselves a wand. 
you know, and it's such an iconic symbol for for a magician. But everyone is also familiar with familiar with that toy, mm-hmm. and so it brings together these two loves that a lot of people have: love for magic, love for these these building bricks, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and put them together. And the visuals on this, the contrast of the white bricks against the black. Yeah, just allows for some great magic. It just absolutely pops. And Wanda Blocks is it's fairly easy to perform. It's got multi multiple phases that uh, all sort of like link together rather rather logically. And you have these moments where you're taking them apart and putting them back together to create these really like to set up additional phases that all sort of make sense. You have a great routine with it, and it's a lot of fun to do. I totally understand why this is in there. Ian Bailey, thanks so much for joining us. These are five great tricks. Thanks so much for joining us in the top five under five. Thanks so much to Ian Bailey for joining me on the show. Be sure to check out his splendid effect, Wando Blocks. It was a lot of fun for me, and I know that you'll love this effect that builds to an amazing performance. Now, on to the main event. John Bannon is a prolific author and creator whose book Impossibilia, Smoke and Mirrors, and Dear Mr. Fantasy are all modern classics. He's also a columnist for Genie Magazine and the mind behind some of the most indelible card magic of the last two decades. He has a new book that's going up for pre-order very soon and was generous enough to send me an advanced copy. I grabbed a few minutes of John's time to discuss the book and his creative process and now you get to join our conversation. John Bannon, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm so excited because you have a new book coming out. It's out. It's out. It's out. It's out. As of this out. week, I, I, got an, <laughs> I got an advanced copy uh, and, I, and I read it, but now it's out, so I guess it's not even an advanced copy anymore, but uh, it's called Hush Hush. Very Hush Hush. Very Hush Hush. Very Hush Hush. Look, it's no secret that you and I are friends, and also I've been a massive fan of yours. Dear Mr. Fantasy was one of my first magic books. This is this is full of reading this book made me really excited because this is full of like some really, really good magic that you've been keeping close to the vest for a while. Am I correct? Some of it. Some of it. Um you know, it's six, seven, eight years worth of stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, and then few things have been hanging around a little longer than that so um well tell the listeners about the book and and what you're excited about putting out there oh well, a couple of things um first of all the title it has a super title to it um which is uh confidential on the qt and very hush hush yeah okay that's from la confidential that's um that was danny devito's buzz line for his uh, scandal sheet yeah that's where it came from but not that anybody cares but me (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah no i uh, i'm i really like the stuff in there it's all i thought um it was uh it's pretty commercial most of it Mm -hmm. i mean some some of it won't fool magicians but it'll it will fool the heck out of lay people i mean and i just know that for a fact right and so um some of it will fool magicians <laughs> and I, I know that for a fact too right so uh it kind of, kind of covers the waterfront but again you know i have this genie column right mm-hmm. and so basically in the book are tricks that okay in the genie column i try to put tricks that aren't mentalism or mental related mm-hmm. um and so if it is a mental mentalism or or uh, uh, mental magic related, then it, it doesn't go into column, but I reserve it for the next book. And that's what this stuff is. So there's a large mental 
you know, the purists are going to call them mental magic. Spin yeah. And um, it's fine with me, but yeah, so that's that's sort of an overriding theme. It's like almost like a sequel to Mentalismo, my last book, mm-hmm. um, but not quite. I mean, it's different too. I I like that this is full of sort of mentalism, mental magic, and I, you know, I, I'm with you. I, it's hard to categorize one or the other. I know some purists are going to get like a little little sticky about that, but. It, well, the real purists won't do card tricks anyway. So, well, we we can we'll keep all the good stuff for ourselves and let them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, the the material inside the book. At least you know I, I haven't been able to read the entire book, but I've read very very large sections of it. I was supposed to take the day off from work, and I was reading this book and couldn't put it down. But <laughs> it it doesn't it doesn't come across as sort of like woo woo. Uh, you know, like hold your hand to your temple mentalism. There's a lot of like really sort of fascinating concepts, almost like the the effect bank job actually is what comes to mind where it's sort of, it comes off, it starts out and I'm not, I'm not going to give too much away because I think people should get the book, but it sort of starts out like as a little bit of a game. And then at the very last second, you sort of twist the knife and turn it into a prediction effect, which completely i mean it comes out of left field but it comes out of left field in a good way if that makes sense and i think that there's a there's a number of effects in the book like that well thanks you know i mean that's a, that's a sort of a, a goal of construction right mm-hmm. is like when you get to the end you definitely want to have an end right yeah and and you know there is this tendency to throw kickers in there that don't have anything to do with the rest of the trick but if you can make it sort of uh, uh, related to and part of the whole trick, something like something that they could have seen coming, but they didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so that's that's a that is a goal of construction. And Bank Job is a good good example of that. Um, it combines a bunch of uh, Liam Montier's uh, ideas and sort of mashes them up. And then I added the prediction on it at the end. So yeah, it's a fun trick. I, there's a lot, I don't want to go into it in detail, but there's a lot of really fun moments in that trick for, that I think. And, uh, and I have a lot of fun doing it. I just actually rolled that trick into my new set of lecture notes. Oh, excellent. I think yeah. people are really going to enjoy that. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's so hard to talk about a wonderful trick like that without giving a bunch of stuff away. But it is, it does sort of start off as a game, ends up being a color separation, then there's a prediction. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to give away too much, but I think it's going to be like one of those like sneaker hits from this book. Yeah. And yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, speaking of, you said about talking about like mashing up a lot of uh, Liam's uh, ideas and then putting them together in this new effect and then tossing the prediction in there in the end. You seem to be very good at, uh, I want to think of the way to phrase this correctly, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, you you seem to be very good at taking uh, a lot of other principles and plots and ideas that other people have done and combining them in new and fascinating ways. And the the one, the the trick that I'm thinking of, and you and I discussed this a little bit via email, is the... uh, the magic square that actually kicks off the book. There's some really interesting ideas of yours mixed with uh, some really interesting ideas of Carl Hine, and then there's some influence from Woody Aragon. How do you how do you sort of take all of these wonderful influences and then put them together into this new effect? Uh, well, it's a couple of things. Magic is a is a collaborative art. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no pure originality out there, mm-hmm. right? Second of all. 
bringing all these little pieces together is, uh, you know, once I see a trick by another person, those pieces get absorbed and they get absorbed to be used. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I, another goal of construction is to, is to combine things in, in ways that make sense and that are sort of synergistic. They, they complement each other in a way that's desirable and, and you can tell it's sort of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, that kind of thing, you know? That makes sense. Yeah, and and the magic square. I mean, there's quite a few. Not quite a few. There are several magic square effects in the book. Yes, I think like the first three or four tricks are magic square effects, but they also routine really well together in a, in a couple of the variations. Well, there's that, and but they're none of them are traditional. Mm-hmm. Okay, because there's no calculations. Yeah. right? you don't have to figure anything out. Yet you get, I think, the full magic square build. Which is what yeah. I mean. That's why you do the magic square is for the build, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, but there's this, and then there's this, <laughs> and then there's this, right? So yeah, like I said, the goal there, and a couple of them, the magic square comes at the end as something mm-hmm. completely unexpected, right? Yeah, it's like we do this trick, and then oh look, it's a magic <laughs> square, and uh, yeah, and so uh, again, that's a goal of construction, yeah. and that's part of the fun. So. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by iBalance Plus from Mark Elsden. Nick Lacapo joined me via Zoom to discuss this carefully balanced cell phone telephone effect. Nick, one of my favorite tricks to present when we go to conventions is iBalance Plus. It's just, it's such a fun offbeat effect that allows you to levitate any cell phone at your fingertips. Yeah, it's it's definitely a unique effect and one that you know, levitations and suspensions and animations are, are hard to achieve in magic. Um, most times, you know, met those types of methods are hard for people to, uh, you know, obtain easily without a lot of practice. This trick is awesome. Um, you borrow a phone if you want to. You can do it with your own. It doesn't matter. I've seen no no difference in, in either scenario. And you just simply balance it on the tips of your fingers. And I'm not talking like from the center of the phone. I'm talking like from the extreme edge of the phone. And there's all sorts of great displays. You can turn the phone over and balance it on the other side, or you can balance it with one finger or balance it with two. You can even balance like iPads and yeah. AirPods and anything with a what do you, what do you call it micro USB? It's a, USB? there's a USB C version and an iOS version. Uh, mm-hmm. There's not a micro USB version uh, just and, be, just because those are sort of going away and they're getting harder to find. And USB C is sort of the the new ruler of the land. But yeah. you can you can I mean almost any new Android phone or reasonably recent Android phone can be balanced with what uh, the gimmick that comes with it and any iPhone. Yeah, it's re- it's it's so good. Yeah, because it, 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 it's not this is not hard. No, in fact, like this this the phone is like glued to your fingers <laughs> if you know the method, um, and it's just a little tiny device. You're not going to damage anybody's phone. Um, what with with this device, uh, you're not going to damage your own phone with this device. It is like just a really genius gimmick from originally from Mark Ellison um, who first developed it. And then it, because of uh, technology changing, it had to be remodeled and remade to something else. Uh, but now when you get this, you'll get, get it for all the different phones that you uh, need the gimmicks for, and you can just bust this out and present a 
impossible balance, suspension, animation, levitation. It kind of checks all those boxes. It's something totally different, and uh, you can definitely do it. It is super fun. iBalance Plus, check it out. That was iBalance Plus from Mark Elsden, available at penguinmagic.com. As always, these spectacular listeners to our show receive 25% off the featured product of the week when they enter a special discount code at checkout. This week, that code is phone. That's phone. P-H-O-N-E for 25% off iBalance Plus by Mark Elsden. That code is only good from uh, iBalance Plus and only good until the next episode of the show airs. Now, back to my conversation with John Bannon. So, yeah, like I said, the goal there, and a couple of them, the magic square comes at the end as something completely unexpected, right? Yeah. It's like we do this trick and then, oh, look, it's a magic <laughs> square. And, uh, yeah, and so, uh, again, that's a goal of construction and yeah. that's part of the fun, so... When you're when you're putting together a new book like this, you mentioned a little bit that like you you know as you write your column for Genie, you are you're sort of holding back some of the mentalism uh, magic stuff. When you do you do you set out to theme a book like this, or do you sort of find a theme emerges as you work on a new book? That's an interesting question. I don't hold stuff back from Genie. It's just that in order to make Genie column the most the more the make it more uh, approachable mm-hmm. for a larger number of people. I try to put in tricks that are like card tricks mm-hmm. as opposed to like mental tricks. Yeah. And some of them make it in there. Like for example, in the book, there's a couple uh, kind of new ideas with, of all things, poker players picnic. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that first appeared in my genie column, mm-hmm. but thematically it fit perfectly into this book. So I left it in there. I mean, it came out of the book mm-hmm. to go in the column, but you know, if you look at the recent work, there are themes, right? There's yeah. Nalissimo, there's Destination Zero, right? Which is all self-working was the theme. Yeah. And, um, but if you go back before that mm-hmm. to like uh, the collection in high caliber, it covers the waterfront mm-hmm. and, um, and, and, you know, various things interest me. I'm not, particularly focused in one area or the other, you know? Yeah. It, so you're, even though it appears that I, you know, it's like I see people referencing my material and they go, Oh, and it, but it's not self-working. And I go, well, yeah, not everything, not everything I do is self-working, yeah. but I do have a pretty healthy respect for tricks like that. You know, so. I, the self-working material you do though, never, it never, I think one of the major criticisms that I often see of self-working stuff is that it tends to be lots of dealing in piles, like procedures and piles. It tends to be what, what you see with a lot of self-working stuff. And I never really feel that way a lot about a lot of the material that I see of yours that's self-working. Um, at least, at least, at least that's the, that's how I feel anyway, as I see it. Maybe yeah. you're just, maybe you're just showing me the good stuff and, and hiding the piles well, from me later. Well, honestly, um, I don't have a problem with dealing in piles, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, you can make it boring if you want, but you could also wrap it up in a way that, um, like for example, poker players picnic is yeah. a perfect example. And, uh, you can wrap that up in a way that makes it not boring and makes it actually kind of, uh, there's a build to it. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, write off, uh, uh dealing tricks or pile tricks, mm-hmm you know, unilaterally, but, uh, I do, I do, I know what you mean though. I think most, yeah. most self-working card tricks either require a full deck stack mm-hmm. or they're not very good. <laughs> what's the, what's yeah. the old, uh, 
Marlowe quote, if you, if you take a, gr- a good trick and you remove one slight, it's a great trick. If you take a, and you, if you take the great trick and you remove the second slight and it's an incredible trick. And if you remove the final slight, it's a mathematical monstrosity that should never be performed right. for anyone. <laughs> well, yeah, it was, that was his take on, uh, on a, I think it was Gene Hugard quote. I, I think you're right. Where it's like, if you got three moves and you take one out, mm-hmm. it's a better trick. Yeah. You take another one out, it's a good trick. You take the last one out, you have a miracle. <laughs> and Marla goes, well, no. <laughs> when you take the last one out, what you have is a mathematical monstrosity. And I respectfully disagree with yeah. that. But uh, but I can see it happening in a lot of cases, right? What in, in terms of this book, what is one of the things that you're the most excited about for it to come out? I mean, obviously, you like all of this stuff. You've performed all of this stuff for magicians and lay people. Uh, but what is what is the thing that you're the most excited about? I know other people are going to take different, you know, bits and be the most excited about it because I think that's one of the wonderful things about uh, card magic books is they they can be so varied. But I'm always interested to hear the author's like little favorite thing. Yeah, you know, maybe we talked about it last time we got mm-hmm. together. I don't know, but that's a very unfair question. It's I, like saying which, which of your children is your favorite. John, you, you know, know that this podcast is predicated on me asking you specifically unfair questions. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I know how to answer those. And, and for that one, is I don't know that I would pick one mm-hmm. out of it. Um, there's a lot of thematic things there. Mm-hmm. In fact, I I divided it up into chapters thematically yeah. sort of that's usually not a good thing to do mm-hmm. right because because then you get more of the same you get uh a lot a lot of the same kinds of things right next to each other mm-hmm. where if you spread them out you don't but i like the thematic aspects of it like the first chapter is all mathematical um um you know i call it mathematical number it's number related yeah. okay you know, there's no math involved uh well to speak of and so we've got magic squares we've got um uh, coincidence kinds of things mm-hmm. we've got vertical addition the vertical addition trick in there is a will fool anybody on yeah. the planet i it i will. i read the vertical addition one and it, it it is one of those that i'm just i'm excited to go play with and see where it takes me yeah have fun with that i, I mm-hmm. you know it's amazing to me that principle it's just so counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, that's what makes it very, very fooling, I think. Where do you road test a lot of this stuff? I know that you and I have talked before about like being a passionate amateur and having people bring you decks of cards and ask you to do a trick because it, it if they have to go out and get the deck of cards, they are going to sit and they are going to be invested in whatever you, <laughs> whatever you do. But where, with this kind of material, where, where are you road testing this? Because you don't strike me as someone who just like, comes up with a trick, walks through the moves, and then puts it into print. This is this is stuff that you've done for people, is what it feels like to me. No, no, it absolutely is. Uh, you know, obviously in the last several years, it's been more and more difficult just mm-hmm. because of the recent unpleasantness, mm-hmm. right? But there has been Zoom, and uh, I, I, I always road test stuff with my magician comrades, mm-hmm. right? I mean... I think that's an important part of anything is is to run it past people whose opinions you respect, mm-hmm. not necessarily agree with, yeah. but at least respect, right? And I right now because of the Zoom thing, I have a fairly wide range of input, and uh, which which is very appreciated and which helps a lot, uh, even if it's just trying to articulate why I disagree with someone, mm-hmm. you know, and that that. 
that uh, helps your, your mental process to actually do something like that. And, and so, so there's that. And so I don't ever consider a trick finished until that vetting is over um, because we all have blind spots, mm-hmm. right? And, and you need somebody to be able to point those out to you when it happens. And then, uh, then I'll do the trick while it's current for anybody who will watch it. And, uh, except for my wife who can't stand this stuff. And, uh, but, uh, like I said, the last several months, it hasn't been that easy to do, but you know, there's people out there, there's friends, there's dinner parties, there's, you know, after work kind of things. So yeah, I, I, and the other thing is, is I think, um, I think at a certain point, if you have performed enough, you kind of know how as people are going to react to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And or with a certain degree of, of certainty. I mean, you may not always be right, right? You may something may fall completely flat that you thought was going to go, but most of the time, I think you can you can really tell. And and you and at least I think I know when I have something that's really good and commercial, yeah. right? That people will want to watch and will be not unhappy that they did. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that because I may not know all of the things that are going to surprise them and or or that they're going to love, but I know that the effect will work sort of generally how I want it to be. But it is putting it in front of those people that gets at that last 10% where you're like, oh, I didn't realize that this is distracting or that this part is super powerful. Yeah, one of the things that I am guilty of is I don't particularly fine-tune a lot of my tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, just to the extent that I don't get out, I don't work tables in a bar mm-hmm. or um, hospitality rooms or stuff like that. I don't do that anymore. I used to. I, I yeah. don't anymore. And uh, but I think I have a good sense, and I think I know when I have a trick, and then and then I refine it enough so that I can go out and do it, and and, and I'm happy with it. But it's not like I perform these tricks ten thousand times. You know, you know what though? I like I really like what you said about putting the tricks on its on its feet in front of magicians that you respect that you may not necessarily agree with. I know Michael Feldman is a very close friend of mine and I like showing him a lot of stuff cuz he and I are almost opposite when it comes to <laughs> the stuff that we really like and right. uh you know, I know that I, there's tricks that I love performing that he doesn't like that I've created and same way. But at the same time, we both respect each other enough that when he has an opinion about something, it's definitely worth listening to. And I and I think that that's a valuable thing that so many magicians can, uh, can benefit from as they're putting their stuff out there. It's not just how the lay people react. It's, it's those other people looking at it that can really... Give, put it, push it over the edge on that last, that the getting it that last little bit. Right, but I, I am a, I am a, I am a firm believer that the that the first person you need to entertain mm-hmm. is yourself. Yes, <laughs> it's like if you don't enjoy doing it, you know, then then don't bother. Yeah. Right, and, and a lot of this stuff, I I kind of like the dynamic. I like uh, being able to fool people with some strange thing you know taking i call it judo it's like taking advantage of their preconceptions and using it against them you know what i mean it's not sleight of hand but it's but it's a um 
a worldview, I guess, and it's an approach. And uh, and and for me, that's the fun part. And and like I said, if I'm amused, then then that's a good thing, right? Then then I think I have a trick. Most of my tricks, all of my tricks, I do enjoy doing. Yeah. Right. There's nothing in there that that's there just to illustrate a principle. It's there because it's cool and I like it. And you may not, you know, I don't think, you know, the hit rate is important. Mm -hmm. You know, you're never going to hit 100%, right? Not everybody's going to like everything. So if, you know, there's the old rule about if you get one trick out of a book, Mm -hmm. I don't subscribe to that. I mean, sometimes it's more a question of sort of thoughts and approaches. I mean, maybe there'll be a trick out there, but maybe Mm -hmm. maybe you just get something that you can use at some point later right like here's an example i i write a very chatty book right it's and, it is one of the more fun books to it does feel like having a conversation with you uh especially the preamble but then also those sort of closing thoughts you throw in at the end of a trick is it does feel like you just told me about a trick taught it to me and then you're like but here's like a fun thing about it that you should also know it's uh wow. chatty is a yeah. great way to put it <laughs> well, but but I mean, I think that's important. I, I mean, I think the number, the most important thing for uh, for a magician and spe- especially someone who who is putting stuff out there mm-hmm. is to be critical, mm-hmm. right? I mean, not only a, I mean, is and by critical, I mean you need to know what you like and what you don't like, but you need to know why. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to articulate that because that's what. Uh, fuses the the neurons in your neural net. If you can articulate it, now you understand it, right? It's not just a, oh, I like that, but I couldn't tell you why. Yeah. It's like, I like that because of this and this and this. Right? Well, now that's what helps seal it in your brain. And, and by the same token, you can watch something and go, you know what? I like this and this, but I really don't like that. And here's why. That's, that's a, I think that's a very important Yeah um viewpoint to have and not that Mm -hmm. you tell the guy that right (laughs) i mean you don't want to yeah you don't want to you know my ideas may not be the same as everybody else's Mm -hmm. but at least as far as i'm concerned i know why i like a particular trick and a particular part of the trick and i know why Uh, i think the the cardinal sin of what we do is drinking your own (laughs) kool-aid It's like as soon as you reach the point where you just sort of assume everything you come up with is great because why? Because you came up with it, right? Then that's not a good place to be. It's uh, self-doubt is the creator's best is secret weapon. Yeah, and that's why self-doubt, but well, sort of an understanding understanding yes. that there are loopholes and and that and that well, and the other thing is like Eugene Burr used to say, which which I always appreciate, is the house of magic has many rooms right and i don't know what he meant by that but what i mean is there's a for every different guy there's a different perspective yeah and the critical perspectives are the ones worth listening to the ones from people who think about things like that as opposed to just sort of internalizing whether they like something or not as opposed to being able to articulate it and um all right that's the long way of saying that's why I'm chatty in a book because I'm I'm not I'm not only telling you what I'm doing but I'm kind of trying to tell you why yeah right and and so you're perfectly free to disagree with me 
But now you know not only the choices that I make, but you know why I made them. And and I think that's important. I mean, that's the kind of thing I like to read. It's it's almost like the author showing their work is is kind of the the way to think about it. It is. Mm-hmm. That is. And, yeah. and you know, when you're performing, you don't show all that other stuff. Yeah. Right. But when you when you're writing up a trick, you need I I I appreciate it. Do you need to do it? No. I mean, you can do the page and a half treatment. Uh, I can't. I could do two pages, not a page and a half. Or you could go into it in some detail and and not 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 belabor it, right? I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to hit a balance between talking about the parts that I like and not trying to be dogmatic or boring mm-hmm. or including you know going on too long. You know what I mean? I think it's. I think it it strikes the balance well. It's it's it it's got great magic in it, but I also think it's just enjoyable to read as so many of your books have been. John, thanks for taking some time to talk to me and our listeners about the new book. Congratulations on oh. it. And I'm so excited well, for it to see how the magic community takes it. All right. Good to see you. You too. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to John Bannon for being on the show. And thanks to you for listening. John's new book, Off the Record, on the QT, and Very Hush Hush will be on pre-order next week. Be sure to get your copy while supplies last. Before we go, I just wanted to remind all of our listeners that the P3 Magic Theater is back. We're once again doing shows in our Columbus, Ohio theater, where shows last week were amazing. And the theater is only accessible through the secret entrance inside of our brick-and-mortar magic shop. Go to p3magic.com to find out more about coming to Columbus, meeting the Penguin crew, and seeing some shows. As always, we are weekly podcasts, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform you're learning advanced computer builds on. If you want to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, it'll have to come to me as a message through the custom LCD panel that I just put in Descatron. Look, visit my Insta in the next few days and check out pics of Descatron 3.0. My personal rig is frankly getting ridiculous. I built a computer to be a display case for my FISM trophy and it's kind of insane. But if building custom PCs isn't your cup of tea, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform.